0: Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. I hope you're doing excellently today, and I want to start off with a question to get you thinking for today's content. And that question is this. How are you feeling in your leadership role? Our guest today spends a lot of time talking with leaders, so she's able to provide insight into how a bunch of different leaders across different industries are thinking, and let me go ahead and put a plug in for another episode if you happen to like this one. Episode 88 with John Footer Connect provides this type of insight as well, so if you like what you hear in today's episode, hop on over to episode 88 after this. I'm going to get to a little bit more about today's guest in just a second, but first, it's great when you have time to listen to podcasts, but sometimes you just need to get straight to the facts and that's why we've put together the leadership action list it's a year's worth of weekly action steps to improve your leadership if you want to be a noticeably different leader in one year this simple but effective resource is for you download this list for free at leadershipactionlist.com once again for an entire year of weekly leadership development go to leadershipactionlist.com Our guest today had a 15-year career as COO of a growing architecture firm, but she's made a name for herself over the last decade, providing on-call decision support and facilitated leadership conversations for startup founders, entrepreneurs, and executives throughout the country. Each week, she hosts So Here's My Story, a podcast built from real stories to share poignant business takeaways with plenty of humor. Here is Jodi Hume. Jodi, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be here.
0: So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. So you ready for these? I sure am. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day?
1: So I think the the biggest thing that influences my leadership is, is that career at the architecture firm. It was a bizarre chain of events that led me there. And I, from my second month there, right out of college, so like 23, I was sitting in on their weekly leadership team meetings. And I was in those meetings every week for that 15 years and all their other leadership retreats and whatnot, as we grew from eight to 50 people. And what was so interesting about that, I started facilitating them along the way, which is how I kind of got on this career path, is learning how decisions need to be made and what goes on behind the scenes and all the things that have to be thought about. And like I it was it was better than any MBA I could have possibly had. And it also really taught me the power of having good people who know how to have good conversations leading a company and, and what that can do for company culture and company direction and growth. And I lean on those things all the time. And I just that's where I learned them was, was through that career.
0: Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is?
1: Curious, for sure. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, sort of misperceptions that leaders are supposed to know things. (laughs) I think it's much more important that they ask good questions and be really curious about things and seek to understand before moving forward. Secondly, I would say a really good leader is brave enough to be wrong that's kind of daunting. And it's, um, it's more than daunting. It can be, um, it can be pretty confronting when, because you're out and lean, you say, we're going to do this. And then as information comes back in, being able to say, sorry, guys, I was wrong about that thing. Now we're going to do this is I think takes some serious courage, but that is that transparency I think is crucial. And let's see, third thing I would say, well, I started to say well rested. That's a bit of a that's a bit of a stretch, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's perhaps aspirational. So I would I would at least stick that on the list as not exhausted. I think there's there's good hustle and then there's very toxic hustle with running like running yourself into the ground, nobody wins, and you don't have access to your smartest neurons. You can't make your best decisions. Um there are many, many times when one of my clients calls me to talk through an issue, I do a lot of like decision support, where honestly, I say you need a nap or a couple of days off, you're so exhausted, you couldn't choose between a hamburger and a cheeseburger right now. So um, it it seems like this sort of mushy thing. And there's a lot of fallacy out there about how you got to always be grinding and working hard. And, and it's, um, it, the, the science doesn't back it up. And certainly, the stories I have don't back that up. So making sure that your tank is not running on fumes would be the third thing.
0: What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others?
1: Hmm. I would say who else should be a part of this conversation? Leaders, I think, sometimes think they have to figure things out by themselves. And a little bit of this comes back to my leadership team Quality leadership team experience, where um, it's one thing for leaders of different departments to be, you know, each running their own independent thing, but if they're not coming together to work together to 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 look at the bigger picture of the firm, that's a real downside there. But also, just who else should be in this conversation? Do I need to be talking to my peers? Like, there's that horrible fallacy out there, like leadership you know it's lonely at the top it should never be lonely at the top and i often think of this seth godin quote that says if there's a conversation sorry if there's a problem you can't talk about now you have two problems so wrapping other people into the conversation helping them make the having them help you think through the decision not only makes your job a little easier and cleaner but it also builds in the people in your organization the skill set of how to make decisions and what to do.
0: What is a book that you would recommend to leaders?
1: Oh, that is such a mean question. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so, so, so many. But I, one of my very favorite and very formative books was a book called Fierce Conversations. The little tagline or whatever you want to call it is something like, uh, no one conversation you know will will definitely change the trajectory of a career or a business or a marriage or a relationship, but any one conversation can and it was really formative for me along with a few other conversations about uh, books about conversations of how powerful they can be and why conflict doesn't have to be conflict it's just getting down to the truth of a thing and if you can the, the superpower of being able to have direct not skirt around the issues, but speak truth to power, get to the bottom of a root cause issue with those conversations is I think one of the most powerful things. And that book really launched me on that, that exploration and journey.
0: If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be?
1: I think that if there was one thing I would want them to do it's make sure that especially right now in this particular time in our lives, it's it does go back to the well rested thing, and I don't just mean sleep. I mean that you're you're feeding your brain with some other things besides just work, which sounds like 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 very not business advice, right? <laughs> like you should always just be plowing, but um, it's so important to to turn on those other parts of your brain. And I've I've always talked that talk and tried to protect my time in a way that I'm as sharp as I can be. I know on on our podcast, we never, ever, ever record in the afternoon because both of us are fuzzy in the afternoon. And so I think we all know we have those sort of um, mountains and valleys to where our energy is. And so it's not so much about get rested or go read a book or go paint a painting, but just monitor your energetic capital. It's your energetic tank. And that managing your energy is is a really overlooked but incredibly important thing. So if you're if you're feeling fuzzy and you really just want to go outside and dig in the garden a little bit, do it. Like you you probably don't need to do it for hours and hours. Sometimes just getting outside, sometimes just going and walking around the building once or twice. Those kinds of breaks aren't just anecdotally beneficial. This I won't geek out on you, but the neuroscience behind it is is vast and thorough. And and even taking a nap, a uh, 15, 20-minute nap, which of course seemed impossible uh, a year ago, but it's a little more possible now. And if you follow that flow and just fill up your tank when you need it, it, it it's really it's really interesting to watch what happens. You just try it. And if it doesn't work for you, then you can ignore the advice, but give it a whirl.
0: And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not?
1: Mm, I as somebody who just sort of blindly moves forward into things. I probably don't ask either one of those, but I would say it's better to ask why not. Um, I think a lot of really fantastic things happen in life when you've just, you you sort of stumbled forward. And um, I think a lot of things don't happen in the world because people are spending all their time getting ready to be ready. And we're much better at navigating than we think we are, and and you hear so many stories of somebody gets fired or something bad happens, and then they say, you know, it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. And I don't think that's my my belief is that that's not because it was a magic thing, a blessing in disguise. I think it's that we have somehow are not able to remember how good we are at figuring stuff out once we go. You know, because you move one piece on the chessboard. And the whole game changes and then you have different choices and progress always looks like a new set of problems and new things to tackle. And so I look for reasons not to do something. Otherwise, I just do them.
0: Well, Jody, we're here today to talk about your work with leaders. But before we do that, one of the things I didn't read in your bio, but I'd like to toss out to you now is that you are the lead singer of a band and you're also a champion truck puller. So (laughs) any chance you can talk to us a a little, a little bit about your experiences in life, not directly connected to working with and supporting leaders?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, it's a really funny story. I wouldn't say I'm a champion truck puller. I did one time win first place in a truck pull competition, but uh, I, I really like to stretch my or to test out my boundaries, um, or not test out my boundaries, but like test out my limitations and see how much of things that I can do. But that's a very new thing to me in any sort of realm of athletics. I grew up in a theater family and I'm old enough that, uh, that the, when I was growing up, the only girl sports at my school were, were basketball and I'm five, three and a half. So that really wasn't mm-hmm. happening for me that and running. And I just don't like running. So I was never an athlete. I never identified as an athlete. I, you know, I would work out, but mainly for, you know, vanity purposes. <laughs> and, um, I was going to a gym, but th- this pattern, like the story of this as is like, this pattern shows up in my life a lot where I just sort of follow the breadcrumbs of a thing. And I never really, there was no point in my life where I said, I'm going to do this strong woman competition where there's a truck pull. That never actually happened. I was doing uh, deadlifts at my gym and they had uh, like the dumbbells. And I was frustrated because my grip strength was the limiter. And I knew I could do more with deadlifts, but I couldn't hold on to them enough. And the trainer that was near me said, you should do our deadlift clinic because then you could use the bar and people tend to be able to lift a lot more. And and that's not, grip strength is less of a limiter that way. So I took the clinic just so that I could use the bar. And at the end of this clinic, I didn't know they had a mock meet where you, you know, you pretend it's like a weightlifting thing. And I was like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) That seems stupid. Um, But they talked me into doing it. And here's what ended up being really life-changing for me. And I didn't pursue it, but I'm so glad I found it. It was the first time in my life that I was, and I'm making air quotes here, if you could see me, like training for something. And my relationship with food and exercise, it was the first time ever it wasn't like, gosh, I shouldn't eat that cookie because I'm trying to like, you know, get back into those jeans. It was, I'm not going to eat that cookie because I want to Feel, like I'm gonna feel good I'm gonna perform my best at the meet on Friday and it was just such a different relationship with things that before have had almost had sort of a punitive role in my life and it sort of flipped them around to something aspirational and in doing so there were um, a bunch of women in that that group who would do this fundraiser every year there's a strong woman competition here in town in Baltimore that is a fundraiser and it's very supportive you know it's very competitive, but people are really nice and help each other out. And to make a very long story short, I got talked into doing that, which was a huge, huge, I mean, that is such a big stretch from anything I had ever done before. And um, one of the events was a truck pull. And I won first place for the truck pull in my weight class, which was just Hysterical!
0: That's incredible. In my mind, I was thinking pickup truck.
1: Well, you know, it's hysterical. My my daughter, who was ten at the time, went to school and told everyone that I pulled a city bus, which is much, much, much bigger. And and I was a little a little bummed because I had to say no. It wasn't a city bus. It was just a bread truck.
0: Well, I've come <laughs> to appreciate you even more because deadlifts are my jam. I love those. So anyone who who takes deadlifts seriously, I can appreciate them even more.
1: I they were my favorite thing. It was uh, that was also in the competition. It was a lot of fun.
0: So let's go ahead and go to your work with leaders. In the bio, we talked about how you are providing on-call decision support and facilitated leadership conversations. That's not really uh, terminologies that we use. Oftentimes, we'll talk about consultants and coaches and things like that who are helping leaders. Could you talk to us a little bit about what your work looks like?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I've been both those things, and I still am sort of both of those things, a coach and a consultant. To me, it feels really distinct. And it's why I stopped using those words and unfortunately only now have a really long phrase <laughs> of what they are. But here's what I noticed. Um, so, in the years that I was doing coaching and then also some business consulting, the coaching in particular, I started to get frustrated because I was, I was, you know, I had it formatted. I've been, you know, I've been, I took my coach's training back in like 2003. So, I've been doing it since then and facilitation the same the next year. Um, And for many, many years, I did it as the way everybody else did it, you know, three times a month or two times a month or whatever it is. You know, we meet every Tuesday at whatever. And um, I would get frustrated because even though I said to people constantly, you you know, you can call me, you can email me, you can in between, um, they they often wouldn't. And then even worse, they they wouldn't have something to talk about. Uh, You know, they'd say they sort of had this... um, They'd be like, well, this thing happened and last month that happened, and, you know, last week this happened. And it just, it very felt very dissatisfied or like unsatisfying to me. So for many years, I played around with a bunch of different kinds of models where I, I wanted them to be able to call me anytime. And it took a lot of poking around, a lot of throwing a lot of spaghetti at a wall. But what I end up doing now is it's all on call. We do a little bit of I'll talk to you you know once a month or whatever. But because what I found was people need – it goes back to that Seth Godin quote I referred to before. Like if you have a problem you can't talk about, you have two problems. And I have come to the conclusion that most people don't need a consultant or a coach as much as they need – just someone to bounce something off of, they need somebody to, it's like watching someone else parallel park a car that I can see things that they can't. I have the business experience to also help them think things through, but sometimes they almost need a business therapist more than they need um, a coach or a consultant because something about that, um, to me, coaching feels like you're at point A and I'm going to help you get to point B. And that's just not where I fall into as much. Um, I think people already know their own answers. They're just a little stuck getting down to like the actionable clarity. And so with a few questions, I can usually get down to the nugget and then they're off running again. And so it's I feel like it's a really unmet need in the world because in my experience, people look at hiring a coach as this really big deal, like I'm going to hire a coach and that's my hire a coach voice, I guess. Um, (laughs) I'm going to hire a coach and it's a big deal and it's a lot of money and they have to choose the right person. And it's, it's this, and certainly the same way with facilitators. Like we're going to hire, we're going to hire a facilitator for a strategic planning session. Well, every conversation can benefit from having somebody else help you get down to the nugget of a thing so that you can move forward. And a lot of times that's like a 10 minute call here or a talk me off a ledge there, or for a lot of my clients, they just don't have someone to talk things through with for a lot of different reasons. And some of their conversations, they just need to have. And then once they have them, like when they have those, I think I need to burn it all down days, <laughs> they just need to talk it through. And then once they've kind of dug through it a little bit, that that feeling has moved on and then they can get back to what they're doing. So that's the work that I do now is somewhere between business therapy and coaching and consulting. And, you know, I've been looking at ways to to find, to, to make it more accessible to more people because I'm not the only person in the world who can do this. And uh, I, I really feel like it's an unmet need in the world.
0: So you have a lot of leaders right now listening to you, people who aspire to be leaders, people who care about leadership. If you could share with them just a message or a word of encouragement based off of the conversations, or maybe maybe something you would like to just share with them, to teach them, give them insight based on the conversations you're having with other leaders. What would that thing be?
1: That one's relatively easy to answer. It's okay not to know things there there is such a weird taboness in the business world that that everything other than I'm doing great. I'm killing it. I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. It is often met with this feeling of it being a taboo thing, like you're supposed to know. And I just, I think that is so toxic and so um, unhelpful and it doesn't engender the kinds of growth that we really need. And so surrounding yourself with Anyone who you can talk things through with peer groups—that's um, why I run peer groups, peer roundtables for business owners so they can talk to each other. Whether it's it's a, a friend or somebody outside your 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 specific group, like having a way to talk things through and to ask questions. I've I've had owners of companies who who've been running their very successful companies for a long time suddenly admit, you know, so you know, Jody, honestly, I don't entirely understand financial reports. Like I know enough, I know which lines to look at and be like, why isn't that number what it's supposed to be? But they don't really understand it. But because they feel like they're supposed to, they've never gotten to that point. And just as a random weird example, but I I think that there's just such a unfortunate story that everyone has it all together except you and you're somehow broken. And most of the time when clients call me, they're like, oh, I must be the Fill in the blank with whatever word most complicated or messed up or oh gosh our company must be the worst you've seen and it, it's never the case like well, okay that's not entirely true one per, one client I would say it has yes to be one there has to be one definitely <laughs> definitely the worst but more often than not it, I've I've joked a lot of times about business puberty the the number of times that people think that their company is just falling apart and it's much more the case that they're one of the stages of growth where there is not unlike puberty. It's like you're suddenly smelling funny and your arms are too long and you trip over your feet and your nose is really big. Like there's just these things happen at different developmental stages of a company or of a leader themselves where suddenly it all feels broken and it's not. And like if I could normalize the realities of what it is like to lead and what it is like to make decisions in mountains of uncertainty and how hard that is and how little confidence most people that you think are super confident actually have. I I, I wish I could share that. I've often wished I could share those stories without breaking the confidences of, of what I know, because everybody is winging it.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: Everybody is always winging it.
0: You mentioned the Seth Godin quote a couple times. If you have a problem you can't talk about, now you have two problems. What would you recommend to leaders about having tough conversations and making them not feel like make or break situations every single time?
1: Biggest advice is start way earlier. I often think of, I've Use this metaphor a lot. It's it's kind of like people say they're conflict avoidant because they're thinking, and so they don't have the small conversations because they're imagining like a full scale conflict. But by avoiding the little conversations in the beginning, when it can still just be like, "Hey, that didn't work for me," or "Hey, like," and, and I, I can give some more specific advice on that. By not but but not having those little ones, you actually create the conflict that you're trying to avoid. And so to me, it feels like this. Sounds like a very silly statement because it is like, I don't like to floss my teeth because I don't want to have to have fillings. And it sounds ridiculous, but that is the same thing that is happening when someone won't have what feels a little vulnerable of a conversation where you have to, you know, fall into a lot of different categories, share that somebody, share some feedback that's going to be a little hard to hear or share that you're disappointed about something or, or share your own vulnerability or... There's a million different conversations that people avoid. But if you can build the skills of having those smaller conversations, you won't actually find yourself in a situation of conflict. And my my favorite advice for having those smaller conversations is super simple. It's just say that. And And here's where that came from. Over and over again, I've had people say things like, I really need to have this conversation because I care about this person and this relationship. You know, I care about keeping this person in this role or whatever. This isn't working. They need to be doing this. I want to be able to tell them, but I'm afraid that they're going to just immediately get really upset. But it matters enough to me that I need to let them know that blah blah blah. You know, sort of say all these things as a preamble. So how do I say it? And more often than not, I say just say that. Like share what is, which sounds like a strange sentence, but if you are trying to communicate and you're planning, you're strategizing your communication to either get a specific response for somebody or avoid a specific response from somebody, that that is not communication. That is control. And that does that never gets you, like how many times have you planned out a conversation and then it went exactly the way you were planning that conversation Chico. Like exactly never. And so I know it's tempting to try and like channel this conversation so the person doesn't get upset or that doesn't. Whereas if you can just sit down and really simplistically say a couple sentences about where you are and what you're seeing and how it's feeling. And and the, the, a very new version of that has recently bubbled up through Brene Brown's work where she has that phrase, the story I'm telling myself is you know, imagine all the things that lead. To the story I'm telling myself is you don't care about this project and that's why you keep showing up late. Whereas if you just say, hey, you're late and here's this issue, we need to get there and talk through what is and resist the urge to assign intent to the person and just speak to kind of what you're experiencing is and why it's a problem and then allow them some space to fill in the blanks, then Hard conversations really don't have to be that hard. If you can just be curious about what the what's really going on and be open to the possibility that you have no idea what that person is thinking or what they're trying to do or not do um, and just be curious and try to solve the problem together. It it doesn't have to be that difficult.
0: So a lot of times people put off conversations because they don't want to have to make a hard decision. They don't want to force the subject. Before our conversation, I was sharing with you something that one of my mentors, Nick Unsworth, says, which is make a decision, then make it right. You said you had a story connected to that that you wanted to share and I want to toss it out to you to to be able to share that to hopefully encourage some people who are at some inflection point, some leader who's out there who knows that he or she needs to make a decision and maybe he's been putting it off. But hopefully this will be an encouragement to that person.
1: Yeah, so th- this goes back to what I um between being the singer in the band or, you know, I've always been very at ease public speaking or there there are things that I am comfortable with that sometimes people interpret as me just being this like really naturally confident person. And that is not actually true. <laughs> um, there are things that absolutely terrify me that I could be very hesitant about. But I I really do think that from a very early age, it was almost more like a glitch in my brain where I would say yes to things. My my earliest memory of this was like third grade and my teacher held up a paper and said, does anybody know how to use the mimeograph machine? And I think if I have to guess, I don't really remember because this part is just kind of a blur. I probably just wanted to have an excuse to like visit the teacher's lounge, which I'd never been in before. Um, and I knew that's where the machines were. So I raised my hand for some reason. So she handed me the paper I don't, like I said, that part's all a blur. I remember coming to, like, I, 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 like in the teacher's ra- lounge with this moment of terror, realizing, like, I don't even know which machine is the mimeograph machine. But this is the point at which, much like another story I have about a high dive experience, where you, you kind of either on purpose or accidentally create these situations where then it's harder to back out. Because I, I absolutely could have gone back to my teacher and said, sorry, what I meant was I know nothing about mimeograph machines. (laughs) But that felt worse to me than, I bet I can figure this out. And I I really didn't want to have to do that. And so I looked around and the mimeograph machine, someone had left one on it. So I could like in the the sort of like out you know, the, the final part. So I could see, I'm like, oh, and these mimeograph machines were like a circle and they used moisture somehow because the pages were kind of damp and they had this like purple text and they would go. Fa-dum, fa-dum. So I saw one sitting there. I was like, oh, this must be it. And the original was on there. So I, I figured out how to use it and I went back and everything was great. So my point is not about that specific story, but because I just accidentally say yes <laughs> to things or just raise my hand for things and move into them. And I did that accidentally from an early age, what I learned was I I learned to rely on my ability to figure things out sufficiently that it's fine and create a new path I hadn't even thought was possible more than I rely on my ability to know in advance that I can do it. And and I don't know a better definition of confidence than that because I, I really do think we forget how good we are at navigating. And this goes back to the work that I do. Sometimes I say decision support, sometimes I call it navigational support because leaders you you are you are by definition leading. You are in the you are the front goose. <laughs> You're the front goose of the pack and you inherently do not have a path in front of you. So navigating in uncertainty requires that you build up the skill of what you do when you don't know what to do. And so, the best way to build that skill, sadly or fortunately, is is action, and just taking action, taking any kind of action, any kind of you know, not super dangerous action. You don't have to start off with like the biggest, scariest thing, but just find small ways to take any kind of action so that you can see, like, oh, I moved a piece on the chessboard, and now the whole game has changed, and now I have other choices that I actually didn't even know were going to be choices. So if I'd sat back there two steps ago and tried to plan it all out, it would have been wasted energy because I now have different choices than I was even anticipating before. And so that is why I, can you say that quote again? Cause I really, I love it. It's, it's Make
0: a decision, yeah. then make it right.
1: Then make it right. Yeah. Make it right. Or sometimes you have all new choices that you didn't even know you were going to have. And so getting into some kind of action, even if it's just a tiny step forward is always going to be more beneficial than sitting where you are trying to to guess. And I'll tell you, if there's anything 2020 is good for, it's teaching people (laughs) how to navigate in uncertainty because no one knows what they're doing. No one knows what's going to happen. There is no best practices. We are all head goosing it right now. And so building that skill, if there's one thing you could come out of this year with, it is a stronger agility to navigating an uncertainty. And I, it is in my top, top list of leadership skills is being able to navigate an uncertainty.
0: So listeners, someone needed to hear that, make a decision, then make it right. If you think it's you, it probably is now, Jody, before we finish our conversation today, I want to make sure that you're able to leave a final word with the listeners. Is there anything you'd like to reiterate or something that you would like to take a second to discuss that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet?
1: I think if there was one thing that I would want people to do is to is to have somebody. That they can talk to. I know it sounds like such a, um, like have a friend or, or I don't know, I don't know. I, I get some eye rolls sometime about that, but um, when I talk to people who haven't had someone to talk to about things, even to just bounce things off of or talk about your insecurities, every time I have a new person come to our peer group roundtable who has not, who has been, tr- who's been going it alone. They're such this relief when they leave. They they are like ten times lighter, and so to me, that is the thing that I would want to make sure. Even though we sort of touched on a little bit, is leadership should not feel weighty. And if you are going it alone as a lone wolf, then you absolutely like it shouldn't feel heavy, and um, so you you have to find ways to unburden yourself and places where you can talk things through and and take off some of that weight because you are. I have this. I have a mentor who has often said, "Like you are the golden goose. Like if you had a goose that laid golden eggs, would you march it up and down the square in in the rain and the cold at night and like run into the ground? (laughs) No, you would take extremely good care of it. And as a leader, you you are the golden goose, and you have to you have to be good to yourself and make sure that you are keeping your energy high and that you're getting the, the energetic nutrition as well as." like food, nutrition, and good sleep and all those things to be your best.
0: Well, Jody, if people have enjoyed what they've heard today, if they've connected with what you've shared, where can they go to find out more about you and the work that you do?
1: Yeah. So if you go to leadingclarity.com, that will give you links to both um, my website for the work that I do, but then also the show that I co-host with, um, with my colleague Elliot, which is the best way to really hear more about what I do because every week uh, you get to hear my thoughts and what, what's going on in the world and more of what I'm hearing from other leaders. So it's a great way to normalize what it's like being a leader in this time because we share those stories and the experiences of what, what's really going on.
0: Perfect. Well, Jody, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Once again, if you want to connect with Jody, go to leadingclarity.com. And if you want to find her on social media or find out more about her podcast on social media, you can find all those in the show notes below or at life one one zero. Now, let's go ahead and go to today's three key takeaways. The first one is this leadership should never be lonely at the top. Be sure that you're including others around you and including others in the conversation so that you never get to the point where you feel like you're all alone because that is a dangerous and a scary place to be. The second key takeaway is this. Just say that. In case you need a quick recap, just say that is a phrase that you should use when you're trying to figure out how to say something to someone, either to yourself or to another person. Really describe in simple terms what you want to say to the person in question, and then just say that. And the final key takeaway is this, navigating in uncertainty requires you to build the skill of what to do when you don't know what to do. Once again, navigating in uncertainty requires you to build the skill of what to do when you don't know what to do. And the way to do this is to take action. It's so easy not to take action and it's so easy to make excuses. But if you want to be a leader who is prepared to lead in uncertain times, who's prepared to know what to do when you don't know what to do, then the key to that is taking action. I'm looking forward to sharing with you another round of interviews starting next week. And if you are looking for greater clarity on how to get into action, I highly recommend you download the free leadership action list at leadershipactionlist.com. This is one recommended action for every week of the year. That's 52 leadership actions that will help you to improve your leadership. Once again, the leadership action list at leadershipactionlist.com. Download it, get into action, encourage others to get into action with you. And until next week...